0: morning, everyone. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. I lead our Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley. I also help out with our groups. Um, and if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I know it, it, it seems a little weird to say, but it's actually almost like a holiday in our culture. In fact, when I was leaving work, this week, someone said, happy Super Bowl Sunday weekend, and I was just like, okay, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Um, you know, I may lose a lot of credibility by telling you this story, but actually, at work, one of my coworkers said, so, who are you rooting for in the game? And I thought for a second, and I said, who's playing? And then, he kind of laughed, walked off, and said, like, oh, so your team's not in it? And I, I was like, no, like, who's playing? Like, I honestly have no idea. Um, my dad, my brothers, my sister, one of my sisters would probably be ashamed of me because they're all 49ers fans. And for those of you who are like me, it's the 49ers and Chiefs who are playing today, so you can just pick one and root for them. Um, you know, I like sports. Um, I played them most of my life, but I actually never really got much into watching them except for when I was at college watching uh, college football. So, you know, it's actually kind of a nice coincidence that today is the Super Bowl because we're going to be starting a new message series about finishing And the Super Bowl is about finishing. It's about the the best going to head to head. So we're going to be spending some time looking at the last um, instruction and wisdom that the Apostle Paul shared with his disciple Timothy before Paul died. Now, as a little bit of a backstory, Paul was a man who God used to accomplish great things. In the first century, right after Jesus had died and was resurrected, Paul traveled throughout the areas of the east and north side of the Mediterranean Sea, um, making disciples, just spreading the word of God and doing so much for God's kingdom. He also wrote a significant portion of the New Testament. And during his ministry, one of the men that Paul trained, one of the men that Paul built into was a, a guy named Timothy. And if you examine The letters of Paul, you actually see that Paul really esteemed Timothy. He actually really viewed him very highly. When at the end of his life, Paul was in Rome, in prison, awaiting to be killed. And what he did is he wrote Timothy two letters in which he gave his friend, his disciple, um, just some final instructions, some final wisdom about life and ministry. Now, in the second of these letters, Paul made a really important statement which bears some examining. We see that statement in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7. It says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. So Paul knew that he was about to be killed. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Again, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, the reason that this is such an important statement is that there's a reality that goes throughout life. And that reality is that many start well, but few actually finish well. Many start well, but few finish well. Um, If you spend some time just looking at life, you can actually find out very uh, a whole lot of different areas in which this plays out. I'm I'm not going to shame anyone here, but if I were to ask how many of you were still keeping up with your New Year's resolutions, we might get a little bit of an idea of how difficult it can be to finish. Um, and if, if you just Google finish strong, you can find all sorts of advice, all sorts of motivational posters about how to finish. Because the truth is that starting things is actually relatively easy, but finishing them well is very difficult to achieve. So since it's Super Bowl Sunday, um, let's look at an example in football. Actually, when I was at USC, I had the opportunity to be a walk on, not a walk on not a Wookiee. I was a (laughs) walk-on. Might've been a Wookiee too, you know, but I was a walk-on on the football team team. And one of the things that they just drilled into us, that they hammered into us is that you sprint through the finish line. If you watch movies about races, or if you even watch people train, as people are coming up to the finish line, one of the things you will see time and time again is that they start slowing down and they slow down. And that way, when they pass the finish line, they've basically come to a stop. The problem is, in a real race, in a battle where this is the difference between life and death, this is the difference between winning, that weak finish can actually be what causes you to fail. And so at USC, what they drilled into us is that you sprint through the finish line. You are not allowed to start slowing down until you have crossed the finish. Likewise, I actually played offensive line. One of the things that they drilled into us as linemen is that you keep a block either until your opponent hits the ground or until the whistle blows. Because the problem is, is if you start a block and then think things may be over and release that block, the defender now has an opportunity to get around you and to get the quarterback, or to get around you and get whoever has the ball. And actually, if you watch the offensive line really closely, you will see this happen, is that a lineman ends early, and it causes the play, that causes the offense to be stopped. So, you know, for all of you who are actually watching the game today, not just watching the commercials and eating... I actually really encourage you to spend some time watching the offensive line and not just at the beginning of the game, but actually watch the offensive line towards the end of the game when they're tired and see, are they finishing their blocks? Are they really still pushing through things or in their exhaustion is their diligence waning? You know how we finish things is crucial. You know, it's the difference between success and lasting impact or failure, disappointment, shame. It can be the difference between a 10-yard game in the final minutes of a game or a run for loss of yards. And we are often remembered and evaluated by how we finish. Many start well, but few finish well. Well, this is actually especially true in the Christian life. It's, it's heightened. And the reason for that, because as opposed to needing to go for the duration of a project or for a few years... The Christian life spans the entirety of your life from when you start following Christ. It is a long race. It is a long fight. And so we can just as easily trip in the very beginning of that fight, trip in the beginning of that race, trip in the beginning of our relationship with Christ. We can trip, be disqualified. We can quit just as easily in the beginning as we can at the end. And because of that, we have to be diligent ...throughout the entirety of our lives, which is difficult. We have to make it through the first nine rounds of the fight to make it to the tenth round. So it's something that we all have to keep in mind. Now, Jesus actually also showed the reality of the fact that many start well but few finish well... ...in the parable of the sower. Now, the parable of the sower is Jesus was telling a story about a farmer who goes out to sow seeds... And as he does, the seeds fall on all sorts of different types of ground. They fall along the pathway, they fall on some fall on rocky soil, some fall on soil that has weeds growing in it, and some falls on good soil. And how the seeds grow is a representation of how people receive the Word of God and how that changes and works in their life. And so we're going to actually look at this parable, we're going to look at Jesus' explanation of the parable in Matthew thirteen, nineteen through twenty three. that says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. So some people, they hear the word of God and it does nothing in their life. The enemy takes it away and a Christian life does not begin. They don't start a relationship with God. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So in this soil, something actually begins to grow. A Christian life may actually begin to grow, but ultimately it doesn't finish. It dies out. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. Again, something actually begins to start here, but because of other things going on in life, it ends without fruitfulness. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. So three of those four soils, those four groups of people, actually receive the word of God to some measure. You know, they start a Christian life, but only actually one of them gets to the point of producing. So many started here, but few finished. Paul also saw this reality um, firsthand in the lives of some of the guys that he was working with. If we look at 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10, it says, Do your best to come to me soon. He's talking here to Timothy. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. So Demas lost the fight. He didn't finish the race, as Paul was able to say about his own life. And this isn't the only cases. If we look in 2 Timothy 1.15 and 1 Timothy 1.20, Paul also mentions, I'm going to butcher these, but Phygelus and Hermodinus and Hymenius and Alexander. So Paul saw lots of guys who started but were unable to finish the race. Paul saw it firsthand. And sadly, we can actually still see it today. Every once in a while, if you pay attention to the media, you'll see a Christian author, a Christian leader, leave the faith, or perhaps they're revealed that they're living in sin. And oftentimes the the media really likes to point out the ones who had a whole lot of influence, who had a best-selling novel, who were really well-known. And these people may have been doing a lot for the kingdom of God, and they may have started really strongly, but what happens is that we see that they're not finishing well. And God willing, that will change, and they will... um, They will repent before God and turn back to that fight. But we see that even today, many start well, but few finish well. It's It really is a sobering fact. And so seeing Paul be able to humbly and yet confidently say that he was able to finish well, you know, brings some hope that it is possible. It's that we can look at his life and find perhaps some of the things that might help us to be able to say the same thing at the end of our lives. So with this in mind, the series that we're starting today is going to be looking at four topics that Paul touches upon in those last letters to Timothy, in those last letters of wisdom that he sent his friend. Um, And today we're going to look at something that's perhaps a little obvious or maybe a little simple, but yet it's of such extreme importance. It's such an important part of finishing well that it really bears noting. And Paul addresses that in 2 Timothy 2.8. And that says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. There you go. Remember Jesus Christ. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, we're Christians. We should remember Jesus Christ. And I have to admit, when I read this in my quiet time a while back, my first thought was, well, of course, like why, why is Paul even writing this to Timothy? You know, is is there something here I'm missing? And then what God did is he actually kind of nudged me a little bit and said, you know, well, how often do you forget me in your daily life? And I have to admit, I actually forget God all the time. Now, maybe I'm the only one here. And in that case, if, if that's not you, feel free to start dreaming about Super Bowl snacks. Um, but I think the reality is that forgetting Jesus really is something that we battle with regularly. And by forgetting Jesus, what I mean is that In the situations of life, we either fail to take Jesus into account entirely. We we think that maybe He doesn't care about the situation, or maybe He's not even watching, or we distort who He is to suit what we want to do in that moment. So, for example, is this? You know, I often forget Jesus when I'm driving in traffic on my way home from work. I don't really think about the fact that He cares about how I respond in love to those around me, as opposed to just getting home as quickly as possible. I forget Jesus is long suffering when I'm at work and I'm really frustrated with situations and problems that are going on. You know, I I even forget Jesus at times when I'm doing things that would be considered like Christian things. So, for example, sometimes when I'm doing my quiet time, I'm so focused on the other things I have going on in my day that I'll treat my quiet time simply as a task I need to get through. I treat God as basically just wanting me to Read the Bible, say a prayer, do religious stuff, and be done, as opposed to being a God who actually really wants to meet with me. And in those times, I'm forgetting Jesus. I'm forgetting Jesus Christ of the Bible. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ. We are to remember Jesus, to take, into, take him into account in what we are doing in life. We're to remember the real him and not just a made-up conception of him that suits our um our desires in the moment, but who he really is. So who is he? As we see here in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he's risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. He is not gone, He is but alive with us here and now. He's the offspring of David. That means he was foretold. He is the one who was foretold and promised us by the prophets of the Old Testament that he would come to restore our relationship with God. He is the one that was preached in the gospel. The Jesus that we see preached in the gospel is not a God- Who requires us to earn his love or wants us to constantly be doing things. He not constantly wants us to do things for him. Instead, he wants, he's a God who wants a great life for us. So not from us, but for us. We see he loves us. He's a God who with us, who's with us. He's a God who cares about everything we do and wants us to have abundant lives. So while it's, it's perhaps a little obvious in Christianity that we need to remember Jesus Christ. It can be a real struggle in our daily lives. How about you? If you think for a minute, is there any areas of your life where you tend to forget Jesus Christ? You tend not to take him into account, or perhaps you have a slightly different view of him of what you know the Bible says to be true. Well, let's look. We're going to switch gears now and look at why is it so important to remember Jesus Christ? Why is that so important to us being able to finish the race to fight the good fight? So, first of all, we need to remember Jesus because, frankly, Christianity is all about knowing God. Jesus is the basis of our faith. God sent Jesus to the earth to give us a picture of who he is and to take the punishment we deserve for our sins so that we can have the opportunity to become children of God. God wants us to have life, and this life comes with his son, I'm just going to quickly run through three verses that just that show the fact that really our our faith is about Jesus. The first is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved us. He wanted us to have life, so he sent his son. 1 John 5:11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Again, God wanted us to have life. And so he gave us his son so that we can have life through Jesus. And then finally, John 1, 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, that's who received Jesus, who believed in his name, they were given the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. God wants us to have a relationship with him, and that is through Jesus Christ. So when we forget Jesus Christ or when we have a wrong view of him, when we fail to remember him, the real him, we lose the essence of what Christianity is all about. It's about knowing God. There's actually a best-selling book called The Purpose Driven Life. Some of you may have read it. And the first line in that book is, it's not about you. Which is great because this is a book that was sold to many, many people. And they got to see it's not about you. It is about Jesus Christ. It's about knowing Jesus. That's what the Christian life is all about. And so we can finish that life well as we continue to know and remember him. So we need to remember Jesus because our faith is all about him. It's also important to remember Jesus because he gives meaning to all we do. You know, there's many religions in the world and religions tend to tell people that they should do things or shouldn't do other things so that they can enter into a higher state of being or so that they can earn favor with some deity. Um, The emphasis is truly on what you do. Well, in Christianity, we actually also talk about things that you should do or shouldn't do. We talk about things that are helpful or unhelpful, that are worthwhile or worthless But the difference is in that Christianity, we seek to do these things because of the relationship we already have with Jesus. It's not because we're trying to earn favor with him, but it's because of who he is and how we can know him. The things God calls us to do, the lives God calls us to live, they find their meaning in Jesus. All those things that he asks of us. So we seek to forgive others because God has forgiven us. We seek to love others because our God is a God of love. We seek to be pure because God is pure. Jesus doesn't want things from us in order to uh, blow up his ego, but instead he wants a good life for us. And when we follow his ways, we can have a good life, even when it's hard and painful. But when we forget Jesus, all those things, all those things that we've been trying to do, just become another set of rules that we're trying to live by. Without Jesus' kindness, purity, love, thankfulness, they lose a lot of their meaning and become much more difficult. If we don't have the meaning behind it, it's so much easier to drift away and to get into other things, to not be able to finish the race because the meaning of Jesus has been lost. You know, Paul called Timothy to suffer for the sake of the gospel. the gospel. But that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever without Jesus. Jesus gives meaning to all we do, from the most mundane part of life to the most self-sacrificing act of love and courage. All that we do flows out of our relationship with Jesus, so we must remember Him and who He really is. And so as we continue to go through the fight of life, the race, if we remember Jesus and remain faithful in knowing that what He has called us to do has real meaning and purpose, it's not pointless. And then finally, we need to remember Jesus because he's given us the power to accomplish everything God has put before us. If we look at 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 10, it says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. As Paul was writing this letter, he was in prison waiting to be killed for his faith. But Paul was content to suffer for the gospel, to endure hardship because he remembered Jesus. Jesus gave meaning to his suffering and gave him the power to endure through it. If we look at Isaiah 46.10 quickly, God promises Israel here help in the midst of trouble. And it's a promise that we can also hold on to. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. You know, the truth is that hardship is just a part of life. And it can be a real distraction, a wedge that drives us away from God, away from finishing well. But Jesus gives us strength to face what is before us, whether that's good or bad, if we remember him. So for us to be able to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the race we have to remember Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, I actually found it really personally comforting the fact that Paul wrote this to Timothy, a man who he so highly esteemed, because that helps me to see that I am not completely lost. You know, I'm not the only one who needs to be reminded to remember Jesus Christ. So we we've looked at why it's important to remember Jesus, but A question is, why is it so difficult? You know, if this is such a fundamental part of our faith, why is it so difficult or why is it so easy to forget Jesus um, at times? And Paul identifies the difficulty of this in his charge to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12. And in that he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, if you think back to 2 Timothy 4, seven, that actually is the same words that Paul was using to describe his own life, that he had fought the good fight. So the reality that we see there is that life is a fight. It's a battle, and that's why it's hard to remember. You know, it, it's something that can actually be a little odd to talk about here in American culture, just because of the way that we view things. But the reality is, is that we live in a hidden battle at all time with Satan and his demon forces, if we look in the book of Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 6:10 through 12, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil the devil's the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a spiritual fight. Every day. And we have an enemy who dearly wants us to turn from God, who wants us to fail, to be ineffective in our faith, to not finish the race. He wants us to lose the battle. And just as Jesus is very real, so is the devil and his demon forces, which constantly seek to oppose God and to bring destruction and ruin into the lives of people. So getting us to forget Jesus is a great way for us to be taken out of the race. There's a book written by C.S. Lewis um, that's really actually a great book to read. I highly recommend it. It's very thought-provoking. It's a book called The Screwtape Letters. And um, what this book is about, it's a novel, it's fiction. It's about a senior demon named Screwtape who is writing letters to his nephew, Wormwood, to basically coach his nephew on how he can take a Christian man and make him walk away from God. And I really encourage you to read it because it actually has a lot of interesting things that who knows how C.S. Lewis came up with them, but you can see the reality of them in your own life. And letter 12 in this book is actually especially good letter about the battle that we fight every day to finish. And so I'm just going to read um, the last part of the letter from Screwtape, the senior demon to Woodward his, or Wormwood, his nephew. It says, but do remember The only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. Now, this is a demon talking to a demon. So the enemy here is actually God, and they're trying to separate the Christian from God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one the gentle slope soft underfoot without sudden turnings without milestones without signposts the the easiest road to hell is a gradual one when we don't notice that we're going in a direction away from god when we don't realize that we're going to fail at the race and it's hard at times to remember who jesus is because we have an enemy who wants us to forget who wants us to distract who wants to distract us with other things in life um he wants to take us away from God so that we don't finish well. And these things can be subtle, so we have to strive to remember Jesus. It can also be hard to remember Jesus because we have an internal battle to fight as well. We have a natural inclination towards sin. So just as we have a battle um, with the forces of evil, we also have a battle with sin. And sin is basically choosing to go a different direction than God's. In the book of Romans, Paul expressed the battle going on in his own life in this way. Romans 7, 21 through 23. So I found it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. We all have sin in our lives. We all have a pride that says that we can do it on our own and that we can go through life without God. And our sin, it just calls us to do what we want. It tells us that we deserve it. It says that we can have a good life apart from God. And the more and more that we give in to that sinful nature, the easier and easier it is to forget Jesus because we start to buy into the lie that we don't need him, that we can do a good life on our own. Life is a battle. It's a fight we can't ignore if we want to finish well. Actually, if you look at the next slide here, it's a picture, or you can look on the front of your handout. It's a picture that Ian Dale produced, the cover art for this message series. And um, it's not something I actually talked to Ian about his intent, so I'm just giving you my personal interpretation of this art. But if you look at that picture and look at the man's hands, now this could be Paul. Let's see if I can do this here. This could be Paul sitting in prison in chains. If you look at his hands, those could be chains on his hands. And Paul is sitting there waiting for his death, having finished the good fight. But if you also look at his hands, those could very easily be boxing gloves, be battle attire. And so whether it's Paul in chains or whether it's a man ready for the fight, it's a good picture of what we're talking about today because life is a battle. And in both cases, he's turned away from the darkness And looking towards the light of God for help. So thank you, Ian, for that. That's great. Um, Paul instructed we have to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So we've looked at why that's important. Let's look now at what we can do to actually help us remember Jesus. To help us remember Jesus and be able to, to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the race, to keep the faith. Well, first of all, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, the very first thing you can do is choose to start that now. As we looked at earlier, God gives us the opportunity to be his children as we believe in Jesus. Jesus came to earth and lives as a man dying on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve for our own sin. And if we will confess him, confess to him that we need him, if we will accept his forgiveness of our sins and choose to make him the chief of our lives, basically the boss of our lives, we will find new life with him as a child of God and be able to have a personal relationship with God. Only by doing that start can we ever finish well. So you have to start a race to finish it. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, the very first thing you can do is begin by accepting his gift of forgiveness for your sins. Secondly, we can also spend regular time relating to God. As we looked at earlier, Christianity is about having a relationship with God. So as we spend time praying, we are speaking with God. We can share with him our concerns, our thankfulness, our pains, our worries, our thoughts. You know, God really wants us to bring him into our lives, into what we're going about day by day. And by prayer, we're speaking with him and taking that opportunity. We can also hear from God as we spend time in the Bible reading it. The Bible is God's word written down for our benefit. So we can see his character and we can hear from him and get practical guidance on everything going on in our lives. And by doing that, we can actually get to know the real God and not just a misconception of God that we may have gotten, false notions that we may have gotten from our culture or from the enemy. And by spending regular time with God, it's going to help train our hearts to turn towards him more and more during our days and forget him less. Thirdly, we can walk with the wise. If we work in First 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As we walk with and follow the godly, two really important things happen. Firstly, first, the godly, the wise, they can act as an example or representation of Jesus in his ways. So as we see them live, we can see the attributes of Jesus lived out through them. A godly person's kindness can help us see how Jesus is kind. A godly person's loving sacrifice can see help us understand better how Jesus has lovingly sacrificed for us. The wise man can also draw our eyes to Jesus through encouragement, counsel, and reproof. So by following Paul, Timothy actually had the opportunity, opportunity, the benefit of receiving the two letters that we're looking at today. If he hadn't been walking with the wise, he would not have gotten that. And finally, we can create reminders in our lives that will draw our attention to God's continual presence with us and care for us throughout the day. So by building reminders into our lives, when we come upon these reminders, it can help us to align ourselves with God, inviting him to lead us in that moment. And by reminders, what I mean is anything that's helpful for you to draw you to God. I'm a very visual person, so sticky notes work great. So if you're a person who wakes up and the very first thing you do is look at your phone, I encourage you to put a sticky note right on the face of your phone where you cannot miss it. So that when you wake up and you look at your phone, the first thing that you see is say hi to Jesus. Hi, Jesus. And, you know, I'll be honest. I've had to do that for get up. So, um, you know, it can be sticky notes placed on your work computer, placed in your car. It can be um, calendar notifications on your phone. But create reminders around your daily life that's going to help remind you to take Jesus into account in that situation that you're in then and there. Many start well, but few finish well. So we must remember Jesus Christ. Remember that it's all about knowing him, that he gives meaning to all we do, and that he will give us power to accomplish what is before him. Without him, we cannot finish well. So as you go into your week, I really just encourage you, to remember jesus to take joy in the relationship that you can have with him even say hi to him first thing in the morning and really take joy in the sweet relationship that we can have with him if the band can keep please go ahead and come on up um if you look at the back of your connection card jeremy pointed out earlier that there's a spot for next steps i really encourage you to go ahead and think through a next step that might be helpful um I have a couple of suggestions up here, and if you've thought of one yourself, then I encourage you to go with that. But first of all, if you don't know Jesus, um, perhaps for the first time decide to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, And if you're not sure if that's the step that you're ready to take, there's actually another box off on the side that said that you would like to receive more information about what a relationship with Jesus is all about. And we'll get you that information. Another potential next step is to place a sticky note you know, in a strategic place to help you remember um, that situation that you need to remember Jesus and take God into account. And finally, you could just spend three minutes a day this week thanking God for who he really is, just remembering who he really is per the gospel. Please join me in prayer. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are here with us and that you love us and want to know us, God. And I just pray that um, as we go throughout our week, even as we're watching the Super Bowl, that we would just remember you, that you remember that you're with us right then and there and want to give us the best life possible. So I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.